the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. To those who are listening and are watching, to The Kingdom and Its Stories. And we have the privilege of having Phoebe Johnson with us today. And uh, we'll learn uh, a little later uh, from Phoebe who she is and hear some of the stories that she has to tell us that illustrate what this program is about. What is this program about? It's about interviewing people who have allowed Jesus to use their hands and feet to be his hands and feet in the arena of life in which they happen to find themselves. And it doesn't matter where we find ourselves. Jesus is always interested in using our hands and our feet to show himself to those he loves and who, whether they are aware of it or not, are desperate to know him. So, Phoebe, welcome. Thank you. (laughs) We're so good. Glad to have you with us this morning. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Um, Tell us uh, the elevator speech. of who you are so that those who are listening can get acquainted with you. Who are you? Who, who is Phoebe Johnson? <laughs> uh, I would love to share. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this. Uh, you know, I was waking up this morning and praying. I was like, God, please just give me your words. Like, who do you want me to share today? And so um, I was just thinking, you know, I just start from the beginning. Um, you know, I'm a twin, so I have a twin brother, and I also have sisters who are twins. And we were all placed into foster care at a very young age. I was mm. two and a half years old when I first entered foster care. And I would say where that's kind of my story starts, for sure. Uh, my biological mother was a drug addict, and my biological mm. father took off and then landed himself in prison. And we were placed into an incredible foster home who loved us, who shared Mm. Jesus with us, and also became the safest place we ever knew. And it took about 12 years, a 12-year fight. Um, We were kind of placed back with our biological mom, and then we were moved and placed back in the foster uh, family and then removed again. And that went on for about 12 years until my biological mom had to go to prison for a very long time. And so the Mm -hmm. courts finally gave my foster family a legal guardianship. And uh, growing up with all of that started to develop a lot of anger, a lot of confusion, a lot of heartbreak, feeling unworthy, 
didn't really understand uh, this loving God that they kept talking about. How could there mm. be this Jesus who loved me and wanted to walk with me, yet all these bad things were happening? There was a lot of trauma, a lot of abuse, and my brother couldn't handle it. By the time we got to high school, my brother had such anger and didn't know how to manage it and did not have the tools to, to help him out with it. And they ended up sending him to another family as well. So you can imagine I wake up one day and I have a mom, I have a brother and I have sisters. And now, you know, 12 years later, I wake up and it's just me. My sisters were placed in another foster home. Mm -hmm. My brother was sent to another home and I found myself very alone, very frightened. I didn't think anyone really cared. And so I started going down that dark path of, I think I should just end my life. I don't mm -hmm. think I make a difference. I don't think anyone would even notice that I was gone. And the feelings of abandonment were so strong and so oh, isolating. And high school is hard as it is. You know, you're growing up and you're developing and trying to figure out who you are. And I had all this baggage that I was bringing with me. Wow. And uh, I definitely walked down the path of suicide. I had it all planned out. And I said, all right, God, if you're real, if you're really there, if you're really listening, you're going to have to show yourself. I don't believe what they're saying, but you're going to have to prove it to me. Okay. And I think we all know if you ask God to do something, nine out of ten times he's going to show up in a mighty, mighty way. Sometimes he might make you get there on your own. Um, but he did. He started aligning things in the way that mm. I needed to see. I got accepted into Grand Canyon University. My brother came home, kind of realized what was going on, apologized. He joined the military, which was really good for him. And I had a really good conversation with my foster family. I think there was a lot of fear of when I turned 18, what was going to happen? Because mm. they never adopted me. It was just legal guardianship. And they reassured me that, hey, you're our daughter. We love you. We're not going to kick mm. you out you're a part of this family and that's just what it's going to be. And so I started to say, okay, God, I think this is you. I think you're showing yourself to me. And so wow. I sat down and I fully gave my heart to him and said, look, I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to give you full control and I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to do all the things that they say I should do. I got really involved in my foster family's church. They were pastors I got super involved in the youth group, and I realized I kind of had a gifting for young people, and I could really relate mm. to them. And um, when they say the grass was greener, the sky was bluer, it was really beautiful. And God has been with me since that. I mean, the whole time, but really since that moment, I've really got to walk hand in hand with him. I went into college, which was a, um, a scary time, but an exciting time. And my foster family walked with me through the whole time. They got me set up in my dorm. They stood in line with me to get all my books and my paperwork. And they really showed me the way. And I was so grateful. And that's really, I started to develop a relationship with my parents. Um, hmm. I started to call them mom and dad. It took all that time. All that time. And unfortunately, my second year of college, my foster mom, my mom, had a heart attack and she passed away. Mm. And I was devastated. I had a really hard time with that because I got super angry with Jesus. I gave you my life, I gave you everything. And how could you take the one person that fought for me, that mm. really showed me who you were, showed me who you are and the love that you have for me, she's gone, just like that, she's gone. And I was ready to pull out of school. I was ready to go back down that, that dark path again. Mm. And mm. I was introduced to a nonprofit organization here locally in Arizona that helped children and teens that experienced foster care. 
And they came in. They gave me a full-ride scholarship the rest of my years at at college. They gave me a mentor. They walked with me and Mm. really showed me, hey, God is still here. He's still opening doors. He's still holding your hand. And um, so I finished college. I got a job. I'm married. I have a little (laughs) baby boy. And um, God has just been so fruitful in my life. So that's just a little bit about who I am. Yeah. Wow. I've been, Judy and I, my wife, have been foster parents. Wow. And we've also been, uh, we are adopted parents. That's you know, with two different people and uh, two different boys. And and so, you know, one of the things that, that I picked up from what you said is uh, the encouragement that your testimony is to those foster parents and adoptive so parents mm-hmm. who go through the trauma, and there is a lot of trauma, yes. you know, in uh, involved in uh, trying to love foster kids and um, and and the children that you've adopted. So, yeah. thank you for your testimony. Thank that's you. that's yes. encouraging to me to to listen to that. So, Phoebe, yes. what does that mean for right now? What are you doing with all of that? Yeah, God has been so good. Uh, You know, I was in the nonprofit sector for about nine years. So on the front lines, working with the kids, working with group homes, foster families. And then I had my son and um, it became really hard. I was feeling really guilty when I was with the foster kids. I was feeling guilty that I wasn't with my son. And then when I was with my son, I was feeling very guilty. And so I was asking God, where where does this go? Where do we go? Mm -hmm. And Scottsdale Bible Church started an initiative for foster care. And at that time, they were looking for someone to kind of come in and help. And so they heard about me, invited me in for an interview. I heard the amazing things that they were doing and wanting to do. And I was like, yes, I'm on board. I am here. Um, I knew God had like a next level for me, not just to work with the kids, but to be able to educate those and to really bring the church as a bridge Um, because the state doesn't make good parents. It really has to be the church that steps in. And I was all for this. So they offered me the position. And so I've almost two years now have been working for Scottsdale Bible um, as their foster care manager. And I kind of have three buckets that I work in. I have my foster families that I love. I have my foster care nonprofits and organizations. And then we also brought a group home underneath our ministry umbrella as well. So we get to love eight little girls and about 15 staff. Oh, do you have time for all that? You know, God makes it, and we prioritize and do what we can and show up, and, you know, God does the rest. Right. Wow. You have a full plate. Yes. But, but it I sounds like it. God has really prepared you, you know, uh, yes. for this strategic role. And um, I love to hear that you're with Scottsdale Bible Church. I have a very soft place in my heart. They've been so supportive of mm. so many people yes. like you and like yes. me. Um, mm. So anyway, um, tell us some stories for you. It, how, how has God used you uh, tangibly in the lives of, of others to be his hands and feet? Yeah. You know, I love sharing stories. I think the first time, The very first story I'm going to share is the very first time I ever shared my testimony. 
you know, growing up in foster care and, and coming from the background that I had, I didn't realize I had a, a testimony. I didn't even realize I had anything people would want to listen to. And that nonprofit organization that took me under and gave me a full ride scholarship and gave me a mentor, they invited me down to a summer camp. And they do this summer mm-hmm. camp every year, and it's designed for kids in foster care, and they make it 100% right. free. And they said, hey, come down. You can come serve. You can be what we call a cousin, which is a camp counselor. Yeah. And then they asked me, would you share your story? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and they said people would want to hear where you came from. And I said, okay. And I was very unsure of myself and I was still kind of a baby Christian. And so I just showed up. I really had no expectations, really had no idea what I was going to say. And they brought me into a room of 40 teenage girls. Talk about intimidating. And I just remember staring at them and all of a sudden words just started coming out of my mouth and I was Mm -hmm. able to share where I came from and where God had brought me. And I think I did it in 10 minutes because I spoke so fast and these (laughs) girls started to cry and I Mm. got to pray with them and I got to show them, Hey, we're all resilient. God has designed us with a plan, with a purpose. And I realized right in that moment that I had a gift and I was able to walk alongside these girls and encourage them and remind them, Hey, if I can do it, so can you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to hold your hand and Jesus is going to hold your hand. And I think that was the first time I realized, wow, I actually could be God's hands and feet and really use the testimony that he gave me to inspire other kids going through the exact same thing that I went I think through. That's a, I think that's a great reminder of the fact that sometimes we feel so inadequate. Yes. And God just says, you have a story. Amen. Tell other people your story of your walk with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's powerful, Phoebe. I love the fact that those girls were touched by your story. You didn't even know. Right. That you that's had how good God is. is. <laughs> but, yeah, and that's how good he has made us mm-hmm. in spite of our weakness. Yes. I love that. Another story. Yeah, you know, so... In that group of girls that I was able to share my testimony with, one of those girls, her name was Kim, came up to me, and I instantly felt this connection with her. And so through the years, I started to mentor her just like someone had mentored me. And I think that is one way that we really can give back to our community and to really show them what it's like being hand in hand with Christ. Because I feel like God disciples us every single day. He pushes us. He protects us. He says, hey, do this, do that. And so I really wanted to be able to give back. And so that was the very first way I felt like I could give back was mentoring. And so I would meet her, you know, once a month. We would go to breakfast and I kind of hear what's going on. And I quickly realized she was kind of in the same space that I was in high school. She was in a really deep depression, really Mm -hmm. feeling unworthy, not feeling good enough. And so I got the chance to go pick her up and take her to, to breakfast. And I sat down and I just had a really honest conversation with her and said, look, I get it. Life really sucks right now. You have been dealt a really, really bad hand in life. And I understand that I have all the compassion for it. But if you sit in that, it's going to take over. And I really got the chance to sit there and push her and say, hey, at some point you're going to have to forgive. At some point you're going to have to let go so your past doesn't keep dictating your future. Mm -hmm. And I helped her take steps in the right direction for the first 
time ever she was um, open to counseling. And I really believe that, you know, all of us that have trauma and all of us that have um, a really hard thing going on in life, you need a buddy. You need someone Mm. who can talk to Mm. you. And I was really able to encourage her and push her towards seeing a counselor. And I helped her find a counselor. And I went with her on her first session, which is kind of unheard of. But then I got to sit there and listen to her share with her counselor um, how incredible it's been for her to have me as a mentor and kind of what it did for her in her life to encourage her and to keep her moving and to know that, you know, when she's having a bad day, she has someone to call. When she's having a good day and wants to celebrate, she has someone to call. And I just remember sitting there and again, just like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for allowing me to be in this position to sit here and not only encourage her, but then get to listen um, and see her side of things because that was so encouraging. And again, it just kept pushing me to mentor more teens I really have a heart for the teens. A lot of times teenagers get kind of pushed in the corner. It can be intimidating. But teenagers, you can have a conversation with them. You really get to see the progress that they get to make. And you really have an honest conversation and honest connection with them. And I absolutely love that. And so to this day, I'm still friends with Kim. She was at my wedding. She was part of my baby shower. I mean, all the things. And so (laughs) now I get to see her mentor others. And so you really get to see this domino Mm. effect um, start happening, which I just think is so incredible. Phoebe, thank you for sharing that story. We'll hear some more, but before we do, I want to just remind our listeners that you're listening to The Kingdom and Its Stories and or watching it. And and in this podcast, what we try to do is encourage those who are listening to examine through the testimony and because of the testimony of those that we interview – how they might more creatively be Jesus' hands and feet in the place where God has put them. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be full time. You don't. You don't have to be. You know, recognized as this person. You just need to be available. And um, and God, if we are available, will show us how we can represent Him in the lives of others. So, Phoebe, your position at Scottsdale Bible is what? What's it titled? Foster Care Manager. Okay. And you said that you you have a home? We do. And and you have what what are the other programs? Remind us again. That yeah. So we have Bible has. We have Gigi's Cottage, which is a group home that falls underneath Firm Foundation Youth Homes. And in that home we have nine girls we get to love. And then we have about five or six nonprofits here in Arizona that work within the foster care community that we love and we trust. And so either we're helping them financially, we're either sending them volunteers or helping with events. And so that's always fun and exciting. And then when I started at Scottsdale Bible Church, they had identified, you know, maybe 10 families, foster families within the church. And about two years later, we have now identified over 115 families. And so with that, we get a, I, I started a support group. We we designed parents night out. Hey, bring your kids, including your foster kids, drop them off. We'll take care of them. Here's a gift card. Go have a night out. Go have dinner. Mm. Go sleep. We don't care. Just go have four hours to yourself and then come back and get your kids. Um, we want to make sure we're loving our foster families, making sure that they're able to continue to do what God has called them to do because it's literally the hardest thing that they will ever do. Oh, I love that. Yeah. The hardest thing they will ever do. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's not easy. It's not. But is it worth it? A hundred percent. You know, I think even back to my story, you know, the government gave my foster family legal guardianship. And when I turned 18, that dissolved. And we had always talked about adoption, but we never got there because my foster mom passed away. But then after college and after I got married and I had my son and I became the primary caregiver for my dad, my foster dad, I decided we should still do it. We should still move forward with the adoption. And so as a 29-year-old girl, I had to get permission from my husband I officially got adopted by my foster dad, and it was the most rewarding thing ever. And let me tell you, my foster dad, when they took us in, was in his 50s. He thought he was too old to take care of us, that he was going to be a grandpa and just didn't think it was going to work out. And he has been the best dad. He was already set in his career, so he came to all of our high school events, all the ball games. He was super involved, always drove us to school. And... God can really use anyone. It doesn't matter your your age. It doesn't matter where you're at in life, whether it's large, big, small. God can always use you. And God definitely used my foster family because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. And I am so grateful. That is amazing. Yeah. I love the story of you being (laughs) at 29 years of age. That is absolutely amazing and thrilling to me. So, wow, wow. So you don't have to be somebody special. No, God God calls all types of people. And you don't have to be qualified either because God qualifies you. And the state and the church, at least Scottsdale Bible, offers a lot of help and a lot of resources. You're not going to do this alone. Right. Yeah. So tell me one another story. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I've obviously met a lot of people in my life, and I think— The most exciting time is when I was able to mentor those teenagers and then encourage them to go to college. Now, college Mm -hmm. can be really scary for kids um, that are in foster care because when you turn 18, you're almost expected to be an adult. And that can be really intimidating to have a job, to figure out college, to figure out where you're going to live. Do you have transportation? And so I had one gentleman who... uh, really wanted to go to college for mechanics, more of a trade school. And so Mm -hmm. we sat down and we started researching, we started looking, and we found this program um, here at a local community college. And so I was able to actually take him down there, just like my foster family did for me. I stood in line. I helped him get his ID. I helped him fill out his FAFSA. You know, all the things that can be very scary. And I remember sitting there as we signed the document, we went to get his classes. He looked at me and he said, is this real? And I was like, yeah, this is real. You're doing it. And he was like, my biological mom told me I would be nothing, that she would be surprised if I even made it to 18. And I was able to give that young man a hug and said, well, you did it, and you're going to make it to 24, and you're going to make it on beyond that. And so he was able to go to college. And again, to this day, I'm still very much involved in his life. He was at my wedding as well, comes over. He's coming over to dinner on Thursday, and he's about to be 24 years old. And Mm. To sit there and look at someone who else used the resilience that God gave them to become something more than that was ever spoken over their life is just incredible. And a lot of my stories are along those stories of uh, walking alongside people, getting to mentor, getting to encourage. Uh, Every day at work, I have foster families calling me, hey, I don't know what to do here. And it's like, it's okay. We're here to help. I'm going to get you a resource. I'm going to get you some counseling and um, join the support group. It's a lot about encouraging. It's a lot about saying you can do this. And so I absolutely love being able to be 
God's hands and feet. Well, not in only do foster days. kids need counseling, sometimes foster parents they need do. counseling. It's complex. There's a lot of dynamics that come with it, and there's no shame in that. Everyone needs help. Everyone needs tools. That's what counseling is. It's tools in your toolbox to pull it out, to be like, oh, that's what I do when my kid is, you know, having a really hard time regulating himself. Right, right. Phoebe, if you had a minute to just share with the listeners something about encouraging them to get involved in this kind of activity, what would you say? I would say you know, do it in fear. It's okay to do something in fear. God will meet you where you are. It doesn't take anyone special to step in to foster care. And that doesn't mean you have to be a foster parent, even though I really encourage you to be a foster parent. There's so many communities out here, organizations that you can volunteer. You can be a mentor. You can help at small events. You can help with Life360 events. There's so many ways. Just take that first step, and God will help you get it to the deep end. Wow. Phoebe, this has been fun. Yay, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your willingness to come and and share with us today. I think that um, it really helps the average person to hear from someone like you who's been through the, the life of being a foster child and then being on the other side and helping others consider being foster parents or contributing to the foster care ministry. Phoebe, God bless you, you in your ministry. And may our conversation today be used by God to multiply Amen. what he's doing Amen. in this arena. God bless you and thank you so much. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.